Welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hemmerker. In each episode, she'll talk with your favorite romantic suspense authors. They will take you behind the scenes of the writing process, giving excerpts from their writing, and share stories about their writing life. Hello, and welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hemmerker, and I'm so glad you joined me. This episode, you're going to hear about this month's new releases in Christian Romantic Suspense. I hope you will enjoy hearing from your favorite Romantic Suspense authors as they talk about the background of their latest books. Next up, I have Dana R. Lynn, and she's going to talk about her latest Romantic Suspense, Hunted at Christmas. So welcome to my show, Dana. Thank you, Sarah. It's nice to be here. So let's just dive right into your story and talk about your heroine. How does she feel about love at the start of Hunted at Christmas? Well, my heroine, Addie, is very conflicted about love. She's a widow, and she's trying to raise her uh, diabetic son by herself, and she's just She's just not ready for that kind of um, complication in her life. So yeah. when when Isaiah comes along, she doesn't know that she wants anything to do with that. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to have other plans, but that's another question. So let's switch over to your hero. And where did he grow up? What, what's his hometown? So Isaiah Bender, he grew up in a fictional town of Ohio in Berlin County. He grew up in Sutter Springs, which is uh, home to a large Amish community. He was Amish growing up. Okay. And let's. And I'm so glad you picked this question, Dana. So about your villain. So what is your villain's favorite song or musical style? Well, I don't want to give too much away about my villain, but he is a classical music junkie. He ah. um, loves Beethoven and Brahms, but his favorite is Mozart. Oh, too bad you couldn't include a soundtrack with your book, right? <laughs> I know, I know. He's a little bit of a snob, I will admit. Yeah, well, and not and just so you know, we know listeners and readers that not all classical mu- people who love classical music are not necessarily snobs, but they can be. Just like well, you can cut that. <laughs> yeah, I, I exactly. Guess maybe not snob, but he's he does have a view of himself that he deserves more than he gets. Okay, he that, that's a good that way he to... He feels that he's been kind of slighted. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. So not snob, but feels like he's been slighted. Great. Um, and so let's switch to the challenge of writing the book in this setting. I know you... you um, is it set in your fictional town in Ohio? Is it set in another place? Uh, the entire book is set in Sutter Springs, and a little bit, you know, they, they, they travel a little bit outside it, but it's all fictional. But the challenge of it is, well, number one, it's a, it's a setting that I've used for several books already. 
So the challenge is making sure that, number one, I keep everything consistent. Like if I'm naming a store that's like the quilt shop, make sure that I have the same name. Make sure that sometimes when you get into your writing world, sometimes you get the details confused. Um, So making sure that I keep all of that straight and that I have a map of it. But the other challenge is that since so much of the story is in Amish country, um, just being true to that na- that part of the story. While neither my hero or heroine are Amish, um, my hero is in fact a bounty hunter, so far from what, what his Amish roots are, but he, you know, the, the connection to his family that shows up later in the story, they are pacifists by nature. So right. making sure that I portray them faithfully. Mm, yes, yeah, we do want to be accurate and as true as we can when we are portraying communities or peoples that are not like ourselves. Um, so, great, yeah, that, that's, that, that definitely is a challenge. I feel your challenge. I don't write about the Amish, but I do feel <laughs> feel your challenge in that. So why this particular story, Dana? Why, what was it about this particular story that made you want to write it? Well, when I started writing about the first – when I started writing the first book about the Bender family, um, I really was intrigued by – Isaiah. It's a story. It's a family of five siblings, and this is the fourth book in there. And Isaiah, we don't actually even meet him till this book. We've met all the other siblings, but he has been gone from the family for over a decade, and we've had little hints of what his past was, and maybe some of what his pain was. But he just intrigued me so much. And the idea of what has his life been like since he left the family and what's going to finally draw him back. Mm. Uh, I have been so anxious to write his story since I first even started thinking about the the five siblings. His was the one that really drew me. Ah, yeah. And then you get to add that Christmas setting as well to, um, you know, to bring him home. So that's, I'm sure that added another layer of, um, of uh, not intrigue, but satisfaction at the end of the book, I would think. It did. It did. And there's a real, um, there, there's a scene in the story. I'm not going to totally give it away, but there's a scene where, um, I mean, I, it's so poignant and so emotional, at least it was for me, that uh, I, I wrote it and I was literally crying at my keyboard as I'm typing it out because it just, I mean, it just hit all the emotions for me. And for me, that was so satisfying to have that moment and to be able to share that with, writer, with readers. It, it's just, a, it was, it's a joy for me. Yes, yes. And so so listeners and readers, yes, we do get emotionally invested in our story, our stories as as authors um as well. So, 
let's, we're going to end our time together today, Dana, with what is the tagline for Hunted at Christmas? So the tagline of this story is, wanted by a bounty hunter, chased by a killer. Ooh, well, that's, that is very intriguing. All right, so um, thank you for being on my show, Dana, and talking about Hunted at Christmas. Thank you for having me. And next I have Diane Mills, and we're here to talk about her latest romantic suspense, Facing the Enemy. So welcome to my show, Diane. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really thrilled to be a part of your show. Thank you. So we're going to dive right in and get started with the heroine because, you know, ladies first. Um, Why did you pick her particular name for this book? And, of course, tell us what that name is. The name is Risa, and I just loved it. I'd heard it, and when I did some research, I found out that it is Spanish, but it means laugh. And Mm -hmm. I felt Risa had experienced so much trauma in her brother's death in in the story that I wanted her to laugh again and let her name just dwell in her and be a part of her again. Oh, I love that, Diane. And I... Um, I love how we can give our characters kind of that extra, that little bit of extraness, right? With uh, with giving yes. her that that la- yes, I love that. So now we have a hero, and what is holding him back from finding love? Well, actually, he's in love with Risa, but. He's holding back because they are both uh, special agents in the FBI, and they are partners. And he's afraid a relationship could put her in danger. In other words, if they're working on a case together Mm. and they're in a critical situation, a a dangerous situation, he could uh, be more concerned about her safety than the two of them working together to overcome an obstacle. So he's he's holding back a bit because he would never want to put her in danger at all. Of course not. That's why he's the hero. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Exactly. All right, so now we get to talk about the villain. And I don't know about you, Diane, but I I do sometimes really love my villains. I mean, they have to be bad, but they can be, you know, we can give them – we can make them seem believable in their villainness. So for for your villain in this, and you can feel free to not tell us much about him if you need to, but why why did you decide to make this person the villain in your story? Well, first of all, I want to say that no one jumps from their mother's wombs and say, oh, I'm going to be a bad guy. I'm going to be a serial killer. I'm going to... Uh, rob banks or I'm going to be a pastor I'm going to be a bank teller or uh, a a politician a lawyer whatever that doesn't happen it comes Mm. from life experiences and my villain grew up poor and Mm. he had done without Uh, there were a lot of kids in the family and he understood sacrifices but he also understood going hungry 
and he just vowed never to do it again and he would he would do whatever it took to ensure that he never felt hungry he never went without and he didn't care what the cost was his his backstory his life experiences did not cause positive growth and change in him it worked just the mm. opposite yeah that so often can so often happen um especially for those um who don't love Jesus so yeah that's true um, that's true Let's switch to the story setting because um, that can almost be a character in itself. So why did you pick this particular setting for facing the enemy? Well, I have multiple reasons. One is Houston is my home. Mm -hmm. It is the most uh, diverse city in the country, and it's the fourth largest city in the country. But I'm familiar with the weather. <laughs> like right mm-hmm. now, the heat index is, you know, over 110. But I'm familiar with the weather and what that means. The culture, different cultures, the layout of the city, the various businesses that thrive, uh, including the location of the FBI building, because I've been there several times. I want to experience what my characters experience Mm. so in turn my readers can um, experience it too so that is one big reason for this setting the second big reason is uh, this is uh, oh goodness I might as well go ahead and say it Uh, this setting is also a challenge for me because this is where my son was killed in July 2021 in a hit and run, just like Reese's brother. And so the the setting is uh, a challenge, but it's also what I know best. And if I'm going to stretch myself and ensure that I write the best book possible, I may have to shed a few tears and have a few uncomfortable moments in the process. And this setting is one of them. Mm. Yeah, we do tend to use our personal experiences to fuel our writing in many ways, I think. So let's, that's, that's a good lead into the genesis of the story. It sounds like um, your son's death kind of played a role in kind of the story you wanted to tell. Yes, it it did in that I needed to write this story, and it was right after um, his death. And I'm grieving. I'm angry. Um, I'm just filling my journal with all of my emotions. And then I realized this book could be my healing book if this is mm. what I use to open my story. So I took my emotions and I massaged them into Reese's personality and used that in the story to uh, create uh, an antagonistic setting because that's what this is about and Mm -hmm. to move forward in the genesis of my story. And the other thing is my son and... uh, Two of his other three brothers uh, are adopted, and I have a huge passion for adoption. 
So it all played into the story. I understood what it was like in the first six months of, of fearing the biological mother would would change her mind and want her child back. I understood all of that. So this book was a highly emotional book for me to write. I'm very glad I did. Um, mm. It was hard reliving all of the painful emotions that came with it, but I am I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I was able to put this out to my readers and hope that they enjoy it. Well, yeah. enjoy, are inspired and, and encouraged in their own lives. Yeah, well, let's, um, that, that's a beautiful, a beautiful story, and I can't wait to read it now. So. <laughs> but let's leave with uh, what's one thing you want readers to know about facing the enemy. What's one kind of quick takeaway for them? Oh my, let's see. I would say it is to expect an adventure. Uh, I want that in every one of my books. But mm -hmm. in this one, to expect an adventure not only in the physical, but in the emotional and spiritual journey of my characters. Ah, I love that. So uh, thank you for being on my show, Diane, and talking about Facing the Enemy. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you do for writers to let us talk about our passion uh, with our stories and, and inspire readers to, hey, I think I might want to pick this book up and see what it's all about. I think they will. Well, thanks again. And next up, we have Kate Angelo, and she's going to be talking about one of her latest romantic suspense books, Hunting the Witness. So welcome to my show, Kate. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I love to talk about books, and I can't wait to hear more about Hunting the Witness. And let's start with your heroine, with her name. Why did you decide to call her this particular name? And please tell us what it is. So... So her name is uh, Dr. Belinda Lewis, and um, I don't know how I ended up coming up with Belinda except for initially when I started to develop the character, I kind of wanted her to be um, like awkward, and so I was trying to find a name that's not like really common and that, you know, we don't really hear every day, but it's still like easy to pronounce. That's kind of where, where I go with names sometimes. And, um, and it just made sense because in the first chapter, um, she hits her head, and when the hero finds her, he says, like, what's your name? And all she can get out is, um, like, buh, 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 and he thinks she says bell. And then she wakes up with amnesia, as most love-inspired suspense um, heroines do, and she ends up with a um, being called Belle throughout the rest of the book because it's the beginning of her name. And so um, so it's kind of funny that I just picked Belinda and then it had that easy-to-shorten first name. It just, like, ended up that way. Oh, fun, fun. Yeah, we, we love that amnesia angle. That's always a lot of fun. So um, let's oh, talk yeah. about your – yeah, I know. Because that happens all the time. We know this. Um, 
What is holding your hero back from finding love? So the hero in this book is Jonah Phillips, and he is an FBI agent, special agent, and he works undercover a lot. And because he is undercover, um, he, he kind of is a little bit of a workaholic, and he figures that love is really going to hold him back from his job. And, um, and he kind of has found his identity in that. And so throughout the book, he kind of learns that there's more, um, there's more to life than just work. And, um, and he is placed on sabbatical. So during this time, um, he's really not supposed to be working either. Mm-hmm. He's just supposed to be like laying low in his hunting cabin. And so he's getting it. It's like the worst possible thing for him. But then he um, finds Bell, and then he ends up, um, you know, taking care of her and realizing that there's a lot more to life than that. And so, um, and that he needs to let God be his guiding, um, his guiding light instead of himself. Ah, yes. Yeah, that's always, always a good lesson that we need to continue to learn, I think, (laughs) whether we have found love or not. Um, Let's switch to your villain. Yeah, yeah, let's switch to your villain. So, um, you know, there, we, we try to create villains who, of course, do bad things, but there's generally can be something good about them or redeeming about them. Tell us what is something redeeming about your villain in this story. So one of the really uh, cool things about this um, book is that a lot of people have said they wish they could have more about the villain's story. And I don't know that I've even had anyone asked that before they wanted to know more background about the villain and um so i don't want to give too much away but Mm. um there's just a set of circumstances in life where he bounced around in foster care quite a bit and he saw trauma and um and he they tried to get him help but that he just had whatever trauma he had in his early childhood really just fractured him and so there's, you know, some redeeming quality there that, you know, had he had a different life from the very beginning, would he have gone this direction? Um, and so it's kind of a nature versus nurture situation for him. And um, and so there, it's really, again, don't want to give any spoilers or anything, but mm. it really um, set the trauma set his course for his life. And so you have to feel a little bit sorry for him about the trauma that that fractured him in this way. Right, right. Yeah. It is a, not that we're going to go on this because we're focusing on hunting the witness, but it is interesting, <laughs> I think, to think about how different um, people from the same similar set of circumstances can end up in totally different places. Um, and as writers, that's one of the fun things about creating um, realistic villains um, as well as heroes and heroines. Yeah, absolutely. It is that, like you just said, it's two totally, you know, one circumstance that can change two people in completely different ways, and um, and that's really kind of what happens in the story. Yeah, so let's talk about the setting. Um, if it's a real place that you set it in, what did you have to change to fit the story? Because, you know, hey, we can do that. <laughs> Yeah, it's so great. So um, my husband and I were taking a trip um, to Colorado um, for a ministry event and some training while we were there. And a friend of ours was like, well, if you're going to be there, you need to go to this place called Piney River Ranch. 
and it is um, not very far away from Vail, Colorado, and it is like one of the most treacherous drives up the mountain on like a dirt road that is just like I tried to describe it in the book, where it's like just bouncy, the narrow lanes, switchbacks, you know, huge drop-offs on one side down to like where the road is below where you just drove up, you know. And it is a crazy chaotic drive up there where you're just like bouncing the whole way because it's just so, such a bad road. And then when you get there, it's the most beautiful mountain lake nestled in a valley of mountains. And um, and there they have some cabins and um, some kayaks. And it's really meant for like going up and hiking the waterfalls. But then um, you can kayak on the lake. And then they do weddings there. And when I, the moment I saw it and I saw like the bridge that is there and I took some pictures of it, I was like, man, this would make a great, perfect small town setting for like an LIS because if anything ever happened to that road, you couldn't get up and down the mountain very easily. Um, so there's a lot of chances for or opportunities for people to be secluded or stranded or unable to get down that mountain mm. road. Um, and so I kind of decided like at that moment to – uh, start thinking about this. And um, while we were there, we saw some algae on the lake. And I was like, oh, I wonder um, if they're doing any, like, what is that algae and what makes it? And so I'm a huge science nerd. And I came home and I started researching that. And then that was kind of the beginning of this book is, you know, what kind of algae grows in mountain lakes? And um, what could that, you know, and it just kind of spiraled into Love Inspired Suspense from there, which is probably the weirdest thing for somebody to get a book idea from, but there you go. So um, you can look at pictures of Piney River Ranch uh, in Colorado online and kind of get an idea of, of what I'm talking about, like what it would look like um, and what I'm describing even in this book. Oh, great. Yeah, that's a, that's a good tip. Um, so if you want to know, listeners, readers, Check, check out the mm-hmm. setting. You can actually help you visualize it more. And you kind of touched on this yeah. a little bit, Kate, but can you want to talk a little further about the genesis of this story idea? You talked about the algae on the lake, but there had to be a little more than that. Yes, it was definitely, you know, the algae on the lake and the setting was really, you know, the, the beginning of this. And then, I mean, honestly, um, the idea for the book was kind of just percolating and then Love Inspired did a call for the, the great um, Love Inspired author search where they allow you to submit um, a synopsis and your first three chapters and um, and then they give you, you know, they give you your deadline and if you get your book picked, then um, they'll want to say, they'll, they narrow it down. They started with like 250-ish, I think is, is what they said, um, people who submitted a synopsis and they narrowed it down to 40 people. And then they took those 40 people and said, give us your full manuscript. And so you turn in your full manuscript and then they go from, they go from those and offer contracts um, for the books that they want to buy. And so this book was part of that and it was selected um, as one of those books of the 40. I think they only maybe offered 10 or 20 contracts or something like that. Um, so they narrowed it down even more from that point. But, um, but really like, hearing about that said, oh, this would be a great love-inspired suspense book, Um, not a different series or a full-length book. It just lends itself to that danger, the small town, um, a doctor Mm -hmm. who ends up getting amnesia, and, like, all these great 
qualities and hooks that just happen to already be percolating in the back um, from visual from seeing the setting that really just made the story light go oh it needs to be told in the love inspired suspense way which is lots of romance but and fast romance but also lots of fast action danger and I just I just love doing that it's great. Great, great. So we're going to thank you. That I think our listeners have a good idea of what Hunting the Witness is about. So let's end with your book's tagline. Okay, it is, I'm so sorry, I just <laughs> forgot what it was. Uh, attacked in the mountains with no memory of why. Ah, good. There you go. So um, it's available now. So pick up your copy of Hunting the Witness. And thanks for being on my show, Kate. Thank you so much, Sarah. And I'm talking now with Laura Conaway in her newest romantic suspense, Expired Vows. So welcome to my show, Laura. Hey, Sarah. It's a great pleasure to be here. So we're going to start with your your heroine, um, and I'm glad you picked this question because I, I thought it was just kind of fun. But so what does she eat for breakfast? Yeah, I love that question. It's just fun to get to know just the little world of each of the characters. Um, so Kelsey loves avocado toast or a smoothie for breakfast. Uh, she has struggled with her own health issues throughout the story, um, so she's very conscientious about nutrition. Um, so food definitely plays a big role in her life in the story. Yeah, and who doesn't like avocado toast? I mean, exactly. it's really great. <laughs> Um, so what about your hero? Um, what is his greatest fear in expired vows? Yeah, so Trace's greatest fear is that he's going to be helpless to save someone before it's too late. Um, so essentially, he's just afraid that he'll fail to be the hero for someone. Mm. Yeah, that can that can definitely make it hard to actually save someone if we're afraid of failing, I would exactly. think. Exactly. So um, what about your villain? We have some really great villains in our stories. Mm-hmm. So who or what does your villain love the most in this one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was really interesting to write because um, I would say my villain loves love and family so much that they're willing to do anything to keep their view of what love and family looks like intact. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Love is good, and sometimes it can make us do some pretty bad things. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the story setting. I love how we can use that to really um, confound our hero and heroines or uh, mm-hmm. you know, just really add to the story. So why, why did you pick this particular setting for this story? Yeah, so the setting for this is actually interesting as well. So I got to work with Lisa Phillips on this book uh, for Expired Vows. And this is actually um, a continuation in her series of Last Chance County. So she already had the town um, out in the West set up. And so I just got to take her setting and just continue it on with the characters. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. Did she have like a little map with it too and stuff? She did. Yep. She had everything mapped out for us and we were able to see her whole story world ahead of time, which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is really cool. So what about um, writing the book? What, what did you find was the hardest part of writing this book? Yeah, so like I just mentioned, I did work with Lisa on this, um, and there were two other authors um, who wrote books before Expired Vows in this series. 
So it was actually difficult to make sure that all of our character descriptions, their personalities, and all of the themes for this whole series remained cohesive, just because we had so many different voices as authors um, playing into all of the books. Oh. Oh, I guess you'll have to read it, readers, and find out if she really succeeded. I'm sure she did, but <laughs> yeah. you'll have to. Um, so we're going to wrap up um, our little uh, talk today, Laura, with what's one thing you want readers to know about expired vows? Yeah, so I would say this is just a story of redemption, second chances, and love. And so my hope for readers um, is that this will just encourage them in their own life as they journey along with the characters. Um, and like I mentioned previously, this is the last book um, in this Last Chance County Fire and Rescue series. So if you're interested in reading the first three, um, there are other books in this series that you can dive into as well. Ah, good to know. Well, thank you for sharing on my show today. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. And now we're going to talk to Linda Rodante and her book, Prevail. So welcome to my show, Linda. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we're going to talk about your heroine. And I know that um, a lot of times we don't always feel positively or negatively or any way about love. So how does she feel about love at the beginning of your story? At the beginning, she is, um, she's really open to it. And she is thinking that she has somebody in mind that the Lord has put there for her. And so uh, there's that enthusiasm, you know, to, uh, to see about that. Mm. Yeah, that, that's, that can be very positive. And what about your hero? What is his greatest fear? His greatest fear at the beginning of the book is really Christmas. He's had uh, some tragedies happen at Christmas time. And so he is not looking forward to the Christmas holidays. And since the, the book is about, you know, it's a Christmas holiday book, you know, that would, that's one of the things that, uh, that starts out the book, actually. Ah, okay, yeah. We, some of us don't always have fond memories of holidays. So, and as writers, we definitely can use that, use that in our stories. So um, let's switch to your villain, and feel free to, you know, cloak the identity if you need to. But does he or she have a redeeming quality? And if so, what, would, what is that quality? That quality would be like loyalty or love for another person in their family. So, mm. yeah, without um, giving away too much. That's probably as much as I can say, though. So, and that's, uh, you know, a good redeeming quality that most of us have, of course. Right, right, right. But sometimes that can, that can make us do things that maybe we shouldn't do if we really right. love that person. Um, so, uh, yeah, we don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's leave that mystery. We, we write suspense for a reason. We want our readers to come along for the ride. Um, and let's switch to the setting. I love using the setting as a piece of the story, and um, sometimes we make things up, but sometimes we take real places and have to adjust it. So what is one thing that you changed about the setting to fit your story? Well, the setting uh, it starts off in Palm Harbor, Florida. So that's a real town, and yet 
there is no gang activity there that I know of, anyway. <laughs> and mm. so all of my spiritual warfare uh, books, the ones in the series, have to do with gang warfare. And so that's one of the um, things that I changed, uh, is to bring a gang into uh, Palma or Florida, which I'm not sure <laughs> if all the people living there really like that. <laughs> all right, it's fiction, people, so if you want to visit that place in Florida, know that as far as Linda knows, there's not a lot of gang warfare down there. You'll be okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You'll be all right. Um, so it sounds like your book is is pretty intense and has some you know bad stuff happening. Um, but we always like to, I think, especially as Christian romantic suspense authors, infuse that positivity in our story. So for you, what what did you what do you feel is the posit- underlying positive message of Prevail? The the really thing that um, that I wanted to get across um, that I hope came across was that how faithful that God is to us, and that we don't understand that there's so many things that happen in the world today that a lot of people question. You know why is this happening? But mm-hmm. overall, God is still faithful, and He still does answer prayer. And um, so I wanted to bring out you know, his faithfulness, and leave that, hopefully, with people with, you know, with that in their heart. I love I love that, Linda, and I also love how we can use our writing um, to encourage people. I mean, I want my readers to have a wonderful time reading my book, but I also want them to feel encouraged in their faith, so that's a great positive message for your story. Right. I I think so many um, Christian writers, you know, feel that, um, feel that call from the Lord to do that, Mm -hmm. not just to entertain, but also to encourage, like you said. Right, yeah. And it's wonderful when we can do that in a romantic suspense book. So (laughs) we're going to end our little time together with uh, what's one thing that you want readers to know about your new book, Prevail? Well, and it's probably what we've touched on. It is more romance this time than suspense. I think my other ones have a lot of suspense in it, and this does have that. But it it leans more, since it is a Christmas book and a holiday book, it leans more to the romance side. And so I try and bring out the beauty that is in Christmas, even while people are struggling through it sometimes. And so I'm just hoping that they... They get when they finish reading that it's satisfying for them, you know, and they felt like, oh, that was a good book, you know. So yeah. we feel good about it, you know. Yeah, that's what we all want, both uh, for our books that that they'll feel like it was time well spent with us. Mm-hmm. So thank you for being on my show today, Linda. Well, and thank you for having me, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can sign up to receive notifications of upcoming podcasts and listen to previous editions at sarahhammakerfiction.com.